0: What's up, church? Excited to be here today? All right. I don't know what location you're at, but Littleton's hot right now. I can tell at every location. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we get to gather like this as family and friends. And we pray right now that you would speak to us, that you would speak to every single one of us. We love you. It's an honor to be here and to worship you and to hear from you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hug somebody as you're having a seat. We got Graham Parks in the house. Graham needs a hug. Guys, if you see Graham Parks in the lobby, give him a hug today. He's a hugger by nature. Hey, welcome Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Brussels, Belgium, Austin, Texas, both got behind bars, campuses, men and women. We love you so much. We're so glad we get to be with you today. Uh, You're every bit as much a part of this church family as those of us in this room right now. And so we love you. We believe in you. And we're glad that you're with us today. How many first time visitors we got at every location? Go ahead and raise your hand in an embarrassing fashion. (laughs) We're so glad you're here. I like to say uh, up top, just so you guys know right from the jump, like, look, we're nothing special. We're, we're not perfect. We won't pretend to be. We don't have all the answers. We won't pretend to. We're imperfect people, but we'd love to get together and pursue a perfect God. And so no matter what's going on in your life, um, whether you feel really close to God today or, or you feel like, man, I couldn't be farther from God. No matter what has happened, no matter what you're in the middle of, we want you to know you're welcome here. You're going to be loved here and valued and accepted, and you've already been prayed for. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. Guys, can we make some noise one more time for the visitors? We're going we're to wrap up. Well, next week, I guess, we'll technically wrap up this series. Baptism weekend is next weekend. Do not miss that. Uh, this will be the last uh, sermon, per se, in this series. And we've been talking about the characters in the story. We've even been talking about the people who were listening when Jesus first told the story about this dad and these two boys, and one of them goes, and then he comes back to the house. And today, we're actually going to wrap up by talking about the house that he comes back to. And so I hope this is exciting to you. i tell you what it is, though, if you're, if you're visiting, man, perfect time to be here, because you get to find out, like, what's this place all about? In fact, people ask me all the time, they, they, they find out what we're about, or, or some random way they get brought to church, and they experience the power and presence of God. They find out about our mission. They go, man, I'm in. I dig that. that I want to be a part of that. And then the questions are like, man, so what's next? Like, what do I do now? And how do I get involved? And I'm in. And if you're a church person, you say, how can I become a, a member? Yeah, four of you have went to church before, and. Um, <laughs> We've been getting asked that question since day one. And I've been saying since day one at, at Red Rocks Church, we don't do membership. We do family. And to me, family is at a whole nother level. In fact, um, I was thinking about it last year. There was, a, there was a, a point in last year when I had three gym memberships at the same time. <laughs> one of them because I forgot I had it. I've been a member, was so, I was, uh, joined so long ago that I, I guess I just thought if I stop going, eventually they'll just take me off the, the records, but they didn't, and I was still a member, and I hadn't been there for over a year, and then I was a member of another gym because a friend went there and said, there's this class you got to come do with me, and so I joined, and I've only been there twice, ever, and, and, and then there's another gym that I joined because it had a basketball court, and I need a basketball court in my life like I need a hole in my head, I can tell you that, but... Um, and, and so that's why, and I hadn't been there in like a month. And so I had three gym memberships and I hadn't been to one of them in a long time. And here's what's interesting though. If I were to call all three of them and say, Hey, look, um, I know I actually haven't been there in like over a year and I've only been there twice ever and I haven't been there in over a month. So I want to like, I want to make sure my membership is like perfect. Like what can I do to bring my membership up to like perfect status? all three of them would have told me the same thing. You're already there. Can't do anything. Your membership status is perfect. I haven't been in over a year. Yeah, but you've been paying. (laughs) That credit card works every time we charge it. But I've only been there twice ever. I know, but you send in your money, so you're at perfect status. We don't care how you're doing. They didn't care what shape I was in. They didn't care what was going on in my life. As long as I sent the money, I was a member. And the sad truth is, that works for a whole lot of churches in our country too. Just send me the money, and I'm not concerned with your health. I'm not concerned with where you're at. I I haven't seen you for a year, but as long as you send the money, your membership status is perfect. See, I have one family, Jill and Ethan and Austin and Ashton. And if I don't go there for a month, (laughs) it's not perfect. And they don't care how much money I send them. You see what I'm saying? Family is a whole nother level. Membership's here, family's here. At this place, we don't do membership, we do family. And the mission of this family is we exist to make heaven more I'm going to need some more energy than that. We exist to make heaven more crowded. crowded. That's it. And we're going to do that by being a place that welcomes home Prodigals. prodigals. That's it. That's who we are. That's our mission. And if that sounds fun to you, then welcome home. And we're glad you're here and you're already family. And we can't wait to keep rolling with you. And, and it's real easy. So then, then, the question becomes: Okay, well, then if I want to be part of the family, what do I do? It's very simple. You just play your part. That's it. You don't even have to fill out paperwork for that. You just play your part. And we could talk about all kinds of ways that you could do that. But I thought, man, this would be a really good way to end this series: is talk to the church family about what it means to actually be a place that prodigals want to come home to. Because we can talk all day long about being a place that welcomes home prodigals, but if we're not a place prepared to welcome them home, it doesn't matter. If we're not a place they want to come home to, it doesn't matter, right? So today I want to talk about the house that makes it possible for prodigals to come home. So you want to play your part? I'm going to start with just four things today show up, serve, give, and invite. Show up, serve, give, and invite you wanna be part of the family, it's very simple. Just play your part. And we're gonna break those four down. So let's go back to Luke 15, because in Luke 15, if this is your church, you know this, this is the story of the prodigal son, where we get not only what our relationship with God looks like, but what, um, what, what sort of our uh, agenda is as a church family, right? It's where our mission comes from, is Luke 15. And, and in case you haven't been here, I'm gonna catch you up real quick. It's actually a story about a father and two sons, and the younger son, he's just not all there, all right? Um, In fact, I was watching basketball with my younger son this week, and and Ashton, and we were watching the game, and Ashton, all of a sudden, he looks at me, and he goes, Dad, I know what I'm gonna do for my tattoo. (laughs) I said, you're 10, but I'm interested. (laughs) I was like, what are you gonna do? He goes, I'm either gonna get a Bible verse on my wrist or a rubber ducky on my lower back? I said, what? Why are you going to get a rubber ducky tattoo? And he goes, dad, why wouldn't I? I went, good talk. Let's watch the game. And that was it. That was it. I don't, so I don't know how, where he's at with that right now, but that's the younger son in this story is not all there. Okay. <laughs> And so he goes to his dad, and he says, give me a third of the estate, and his dad does, and he should have been kicked out of the family, but he wasn't, he he gets him a third of the estate, he goes and wastes the whole thing partying, and he ends up homeless, foodless, penniless, jobless, living outside, eating pig food to stay alive, and he realizes, I should go home to where my father is, And, and this is how he's greeted, Luke 15, 20 through 24. So he got up, and he went to his father, And I want you to pay attention to how he's greeted because, again, I believe this tells us what we ought to be about as a church family. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I I can't. I've sinned against against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, "Uh uh-uh, quick. Bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is what we do as a church. We welcome home prodigals. We help them connect with the father and the family. And then we throw parties for them when they do. That's what we do. And if this sounds like a church you'd like to be a part of, then like I said, welcome home. Welcome to the family. Let's go. <laughs> I want to be a part. What do I do? You play your part. Show up. Serve. Give. And invite. If you, if you read the story of, of the prodigal son for yourself, the, the very first thing that happens after the party starts, watch this, Luke 15, 25. I don't know why I said if you read it for yourself because I knew I was going to read it for you. Luke 15, 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. I was thinking about that this week. The only reason he heard music because it was turned up. The only reason he heard dancing because there's a whole bunch of people dancing. If there's three people in there, Line dancing, he doesn't hear that from outside, right? No, no, no. For this party, the whole family showed up. The whole family was inside, all getting after it, all stomping on that dance floor. That's why he heard dancing outside of the house, because everybody, a part of the family was there. And I want to remind you that if this is your church family, the party doesn't work without you. It just doesn't. And I want to ask you to begin to change or shift your mind when you start thinking about how you come to church, why you come to church, what's on your mind as you come to church. Because I heard some statistics recently and and I was shocked, but then I was like, but I see it. The average person in America right now that says, I'm in a church, like I'm all in, I go, I'm a member, I'm involved. The average person actually only shows up one to two times a month. And I started thinking about that this week, and I thought, well, I get why. It's because we go to church with me on my mind instead of a mission on my mind. And when I go to church with me on my mind, I got so many options in life right now, and kids, and sports, and crazy things in the same way you do. And we're all really busy, and we've all got a bunch of things that we could be doing. And especially if you live in a place like Colorado, why wouldn't you want to be outside on the weekend? Like, we've got every good excuse in the world. If all I do is go to church with me on my mind, of course I go 25 to 50% of the time. But if I go to church with a mission on my mind and I realize I'm a part of a church family that's throwing parties for prodigals today, that's welcoming them home and helping them connect with the father and the family and the party's not the same without me, I'm not going because of me and I feel it today. I'm going because I'm a part of a family that's about a mission and I'm gonna go make heaven more crowded today. You gotta shift the way you think. Me and Ashton were driving to his football game last weekend. And we were in the same car going to the same place, two completely different state of minds. I looked over at him and he was game faced. And he was like, I could tell, he was like working things through in his mind. And I was like, bro, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I was thinking about 99 slant X, tight end dump, like what? Tight end does what? Gross, no, so stay focused. So, so stupid. Um, (laughs) Welcome to Red Rocks Church, youth group for adults. He was all, he was thinking about the game, and he was game-faced, and, and I was the opposite. I, honestly, what I was thinking about before I asked him what he was thinking about was, did I bring my chair? Because I really like sitting in my chair when I'm at the game, and where am I going to go to lunch afterwards? Like, that's all I was thinking. Listen, we're in the same car, going to the same place. I had me on my mind. He had the mission on his mind. We're going to the same place, but with a different mindset. I'm going to watch. He's going to work. Some of you come to church to watch, and I want to start asking you to come to church to work, because we got a mission, right? What if you came to church, and it's not just about me and my spot and my seat and my favorite song and my favorite preacher, which, by the way, if you're new to this church, we are not a church built on a single personality, And that is a value of ours at the core. We do not want to be a place based on a single personality. We're going to be a place based on multiple voices in one Bible celebrating one God. That's what we're about. But what if you showed up? And it wasn't just about me, but it was about the mission. And I'm looking for somebody in the lobby. I'm looking for somebody to say hi to. I'm looking for somebody who feels like, who looks like they might be lonely. They might be new. They might not fit in. I'm here on a mission. I welcome home prodigals. That's what I do. I'll actually meet somebody and exchange a number. Ask them to my small group. Ask them onto my team. Take them out to a meal. Church, you ought to know this by now. But when I say, let's close our eyes and pray, you better be peeking. You know this, right? And you peek, and somebody raises their hand and says, I want to start a relationship with Jesus, and in a nanosecond, when we say goodbye, you're over there putting your arm around somebody going, hey, I couldn't help but notice that you wanted to start a relationship with Jesus. I'd love to show you where the prayer area is. We got books out in the lobby for new believers. I'd love to invite you to my small group. I'm here to throw parties for prodigals today. But we got to shift the way we think and stop coming to church with me on my mind and start coming to church with the mission on our mind. It'll change the experience. And the truth is, is if you do that more times than not, you'll come up to church and you'll go, oh, that sounds good. But the truth is, I don't have a clue what I'm going to do. It sounds cool. I'm coming to church and I'm on a mission. What do I do? Showing up's the beginning of the battle. I learned that when when we first started the church, uh, we didn't have paychecks and we didn't have salaries, and we didn't have health insurance for years into this thing. So we were all working multiple jobs, and we're living in other people's houses and just figuring it out. And one of my jobs I took, I took because of the hours. It was, a, it was an overnight job. So I became an on-call chaplain at St. Luke's Hospital. And believe it or not, in the life of this church, we have pagers that clipped on our belt. Because <laughs> remember the pagers? We have pagers. I didn't actually clip mine on my belt because way too cool, but, um, you know, the game. And so they, my pager would go off in the middle of the night, anytime somebody flatlined and I would go up to the hospital and I would spend time with the family of the deceased. That was my job, but I I took it because not only did I consider it an, an, an honor and a ministry opportunity, but I could do it all night and then I could be at church during the day. So it worked. So when I go to train for this, the, the, the actual day chaplain is walking me through and she takes me into a room. First room I ever was supposed to be a chaplain in. And it was a young couple and their child had just died. And I had just had a baby. And they had just lost a baby. And so she's doing her chaplain duties and I'm just standing in the back of the room and I'm just crying, that's all I did. I didn't say a word, I didn't say I'm sorry, I didn't hug anybody, I just stood in the back of the room and cried. And we walked out and I could tell she was like, I don't know if this is going to work out. <laughs> and I was like, I know you don't even have to say it. I know I froze. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm truth be told, I'm scared to death to go do this on my own because I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. And she said, she said, let me tell you what you are doing. You are a part of something called a ministry of presence. All you do is show up and say, God used me today. And then you walk in. And trust me, he will show you what to do, and he will show you what to say, and he will show you who to hug. And that's what we do, church. You're a part of a ministry of presence, but you can't do that if you're not here. Imagine if 13,000 of us this weekend hit the parking lot and said, God, I don't know who I'm gonna run in today. I showed up, I'm here. Would you use me to minister to somebody? And then walked in. Imagine the kind of church we build. And can I just say this? You'll help whoever's up here preaching when you do what you're doing right now. Engage with the speaker. Too often we come to church and we fold our arms and we watch. And you need to remember you're part of every service. You're not here to watch a movie. You're here to be a part of a mission. So engage with the speaker. Clap. Say amen unless you're weird. Okay? Some of you are like, I don't get that. Hey, for real. Laugh even when it's not funny. You're part of... The presentation of the gospel every single week we 're not coming to watch we're coming to work it's not about me it's about a mission who's in you ready? All right show up number two serve. think about a Christmas party, a family Christmas party and Everybody in the family is like helping get everything ready, right? Making the food and cleaning the house and vacuuming. And you got one kid that like sits in the living room and and just plays video games with the headset on and just Cheetos. And they're all over and just Cheetos and just, and then like he picks his feet up and you vacuum under him. And just, you know what I'm saying? And some of you are like, discipline that child. (laughs) There's only one person who would actually do this as an adult in the history of family Christmases. And it's this guy right here. Hey, when it comes to your church family, don't be Cousin Eddie. Don't just show up to the party week in and week out and sit around and let everybody else park you and greet you and get you coffee and help you find a seat and take care of your children and then clean up after you when you leave. Be part of the family. My 10-year-old said this to me this week. Poor Ashton, I'm just hammering him today. However, he charges me. He watches the messages and charges me every time I bring his name up. So he's going to be very happy today. But Jill was out of town last week, and I said, Ashton, help me do the dishes. And I'm not kidding. He goes, ah. He goes, why? Why do I got to help? Because you're part of this family, and that's what we do. And I'm telling you, every time you say, I'll serve, here's what you're doing. You're not parking cars. You're not making coffee. You're not shaking hands. You're not finding seats. You're not picking up trash. You're not working with children. You're not working with technology. Let me tell you what you're doing. Every single time you serve, you are running out into the driveway, and you are welcoming home prodigals. That's what you do every single time you serve at this church. Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. It took an army to put on this party. You get the ring, you get the robe, you get the sandals, you feed the calf and fatten it, you prepare it, you cook it, you serve it, you set the table, you take care of the music, you clear an area for the dance floor. We'll all clean up together, right? That's what it looks like to prepare a house to welcome home prodigals and then help them connect with the father and the family and throw parties for them when they do. It takes everybody. So if this is your church and you go, you know what? That's it. You're right, and I need, to, I need to be a part. I want to play my part. I want to play my part. How do I do it? Couldn't be easier. Go to the website. Go to the app. Hit the serve button. I want to serve. How do I serve? Hit the serve button. That's it. We'll take care of the rest. And it won't just give you a chance to welcome home prodigals and make a difference in somebody else's life. It'll also change your life in the process. I'm telling you. Watch this.
1: My story is a little different on how I guess Red Rocks found me. Is I got the privilege of coaching second grade football alongside Sean Johnson, so I got to know him personally before we started looking for a church. But he never pressured me, never you know nothing like that. It was just he always had gear on, and I started asking questions. And then uh, early December, uh, and this was nine and a half years ago, a friend of mine passed away, and it hit me pretty hard I was kind of lost. So I reached out to Sean and that's when he brought more of the the conversation of God and church into my life. And he didn't have all the answers, but he just kept asking questions. And, you know, I left it with a very open idea that God does exist. Now, nine and a half years later, I know God exists. I've felt it. And so that weekend we decided to head to Golden up to the Big Red Barn. It was in the first year of being up there. um, Ended up becoming friends with one of the greeters at the front door. And then um, right after that was one of the services about stepping up and actually serving. And we discussed it as a family and my wife was very interested in the idea. And after getting to know some of the team that were greeters, um, he invited me to sign up. You know, all the, Volunteers I've worked with have truly been some of the most genuine and some of the best people I've met. You get around it. You get to talk to them. You get to do life with them. You get to do church with them. It's a blessing to have so many volunteers, and it's, I'm blessed to be able to volunteer. Early August of this year, I um, was suffering some back pain, some back problems, had a minor accident, felt some, something go in my back. I was actually seeing a chiropractor at the time, and when he sent me for an MRI. I got the phone call the next day that we had the results needed to come into the office. Right then and there, I didn't know how bad, but I knew it was serious. He wasn't able to completely diagnose everything, but he did find three tumors in three different vertebrae on my back. Wasn't 100% sure it was cancer, so that progressed into the more, more scans. and. I remember it was an evening. I was actually at my son Lyle, um, one of his sixth grade football practices. The phone rang and he had to break it down that I had stage four esophageal cancer right above my stomach. Got off the phone with him and just kind of walked by myself. And at that point, I just, I didn't know what else to do. I, I gave it to God. I said, I can't do this by myself. There's no way that I can fight this all by myself. Every day since, I give it to God every day, and I can get through the day, because I have His help, and also the blessing of having the Red Rocks family. Through the grace of God, I still have the ability and the willingness to fight, so I'm not gonna give up on this. I have cancer, but cancer doesn't have me. I can't say I'd have the same experience if, if I wasn't stepping up to serve and being connected, being involved. Everything about this I don't think would have been as life-changing for me. Looking back on the whole treatment process, I'd say 80% of the people that reached out and were constant contact were either Red Rock staff, Red Rock volunteers, or just people and families that I've been blessed enough to cross paths with, by being a member of Red Rocks Church. The spot on the esophagus is almost undetectable on scans, and the spots in the liver, they know they're there, they can't, they're so small, they can't measure them. It's been a complete game changer by, you know, one person reaching out and inviting us to church. I wouldn't even know where to begin to say thank you. Whether you're a volunteer, you're a staff member, or you're just, a member of the church, it's, it's thank you for being part of that church family, it's what makes it so special.
0: Scott and Cena and David and Lyle are here with us tonight, and I just wanna tell you guys that as a family, we're gonna continue believing with you, we're gonna continue standing with you, we're gonna be praying for you, we love you, you are family, and I'm proud of you, I'm proud of the way you're fighting. Talked to Scott one day, and I could tell he was upset a little bit. And and if you know Scott, he doesn't get upset very often. He's just happy all the time. And when he's not, he still makes, he tries to make everybody else feel good about themselves. And and I said, what's wrong? And he said, I got I to gotta tell the, the security team I can't serve for a while. And it was crushing him. And I saw him just the other day here at church with little chemo fanny pack on, smiling ear to ear. I said, what are you smiling about? He said, I get to serve again, back with the family. I'm telling you, God's word says, when you refresh somebody else, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And God says, listen, when you live this way, you get to welcome home prodigals and be a part of change in the world. But he says, you also get to be a part of a family and I'll change you in the process. And that's the way it works. And so if you want to be part of this family, show up, serve. The third thing is give. Let's be honest. Without resources, there are no houses to welcome home prodigals. Without resources, there's no ring, robe, sandals. The father didn't say get a calf. He said, get the fattened calf. He said, when it comes to the way I give to resourcing the house to welcome home prodigals, you get my first and you get my best. Get the fattened calf. And in Malachi, God says in one verse, he said, let me show you how this works. See, when Jesus was was telling his best friends that he was going to build this thing called the local church, he said, it's going to be so powerful that the gates of hell won't be able to stop it. He wasn't building Christian country clubs to make us all comfortable. He was building the greatest evangelistic tool on the planet that we get to partner with. That's what he was building. And, And we get an opportunity to partner with it, not only with our time, but with our treasure. And Malachi says, this is how it works. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the first tenth of whatever your income is bring it to your local place of worship. That's the storehouse. And in case me talking about this throws you off and you go, I don't know this guy and I don't know this church. And I don't know if I trust their motives. I challenge you to start tithing. Just send it off to another church. Keep coming here and eating all the donuts you want and send your tithe somewhere else. Because I believe that this is a principle that you'll learn will not only allow you to be a part of something bigger than yourself, but it'll change you in the process. It says, bring the whole 10th into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. I want to make sure that the house is prepared for the prodigals. And then he he knows that we're human. And as soon as we hear that, the first thing we're going to think on autopilot is, huh, that doesn't doesn't sound like a very good deal, right? I mean, I'm kind of struggling right now, or maybe I'm doing great right now, but I currently have 100% of what I make. So giving you 10 does not sound like a good deal for me, because after that, I don't have 100 anymore. I have 90, and that's less, isn't it? So I don't know about this deal. My kids barter with me all the time, and I can't tell you how many times I'm like, son, that is not a good deal for me. God says, I know. I know you're going to feel that way. So here's how I'm going here's how, here's how to handle this situation. Test me in this says the Lord. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You bring the 10th. See if I won't do stuff in your life that will blow you out of the water with the rest of it. And it's the only time in the whole Bible he says, test me. See if I don't mean what I say. And so I want to challenge you. If this is your church family, show up, serve give, help us resource the house, help us continue to build more houses so we can have more front porches to welcome home more prodigals. That's what we're about. And you go, oh, that doesn't make me feel comfortable. We're not here to be comfortable. We're here to be a part of a mission. And I don't mind saying that that's what we're a part of at this church. It's who we've been since day one. It just is. In fact, Back in the day, I remember we were all thinking like, is this actually going to work? And no one's coming and we meet in a theme park and that's weird anyways. And (laughs) like the whole thing was weird. And I remember Scott said, well, I'll tell you what we can control. We can always control our generosity. So here's what we'll do. We don't know what we'll ever be good at or bad at. But I'll tell you what, let's try to be the most generous church we know. We can control that. And that's been our goal from day one. And we had about 50 to 70, 75 people in the church at at, at this one time. And a missionary from another country came and said, I need a van. And the van was going to be 10 grand. Our average offering was about $400 a week. Like we couldn't pay our bills the way it was. And and Scott said, remember, we're going to be generous. And we felt like, you know what? Let's just say yes. So we told the missionary, we're like, got it. Yeah, we'll buy you a van. Didn't have a penny. Got it. Checks in the mail. (laughs) And we went to the church, this little group of people. And we said, guys, let's be crazy. Let's be generous. And we came up with 10 grand, this little group of people. And we were so excited. We were about to send this check off to this missionary. And all of a sudden, no joke, the fire department, a guy from the fire department, a fire marshal, comes to the little little building at Heritage Square and he says, Oh, the way that stage is, is constructed isn't right. It's gotta be redone and, and in fact you're shut down. You can't have church here next week until that's fixed. And it's gonna be like six grand to fix it. And and yeah I mean, that's what we found out. And then Scott calls me in the office and he goes, Hey, our rent's due. And it's like twenty five hundred bucks and we don't have it. And we're not gonna be able to have church anymore if we don't pay it. And the fire marshal just said, we can't meet here anyways if we don't fix the stage. And obviously what hit our mind was, well, we got this 10 grand. Like, We've got to tell this missionary, surely he'll understand if we don't take the 10 grand we raised and pay off these things, we can't continue having church. So we'll get you a van. We'd love to help you sometime, but we're not going to be able to right now. And everybody we asked, um, even our friends in ministry were like, that's what you got to do because you can't fold the church over this deal. And so we went and we sat down and we talked about it and, and it was all of us guys. And I remember Chad was like, no, he's like, didn't we feel called to buy that van? We're like, yeah, but didn't we say we're going to be generous no matter what? Yeah, but let's buy the van. And in this like stupid little boy in a locker room, I like, we started chest bumping and high five and like, <laughs> yeah, let's buy the van. Yeah. We might not have church next week, but we're buying the van. The next day we get a phone call from a pastor from another state. You can't make this up. He goes, I was praying this morning and God put you on my heart. I think we're supposed to give you some money. Do you guys need some money? And sent us almost to the penny what it took to fix the stage, pay the rent. We had church and we're still here today having church and we're still challenging each other to be crazy generous. It's who we are. And if this is your church and you're already a part of the church in this way, can I just say thank you? My gosh, thank you. And if you're not and you go, okay, how do I do it? Same thing with serve. Go to the website, go to the app, hit the give button. Can't be more simple. But I want to say thank you. Thank you to those of you who do show up consistently and thank you to those of you who serve and thank you to those of you who give because of your generosity with your time and your talents and your treasures. We are getting to do things that we never dreamt possible. In fact, when we went to Heritage Square and said, let's start being generous and started having service in a red barn, it looked like this. When we left, it looked like this. That's a line of people trying to get in. I just believe we've learned over the years, this principle that God means what he says when I give him my first and when I give him my best, he does things we could never do on our own. It's just a principle that we live by. And because of your generosity, we don't just get to experience that stuff around here. We got to start a church because of your generosity this year in Austin, Texas. And here's a picture of it. Would you go ahead and put that up? That's our Austin campus right there. That's a a picture of worship. and, And they are going strong. They're a few months in. And so far this year, 31 people have raised their hand in Austin, Texas and said, I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of your generosity, we were able to start a church in Western Europe, a place that everyone says, whatever you do, don't start a church in Western Europe. It'll never work. You can't sustain it and people won't show up. And because of your generosity, we were able to start a church in Western Europe. And so far this year, 20 people have given their life to Jesus (laughs) and are going to heaven. (laughs) Your giving makes a difference. I want to get this number right. A little over five years ago, we came to you as a church. We said, you guys want to get real crazy and you want to you, you want to open some some campuses and some prisons. They'll never be able to pay us back. They won't be able to sustain themselves. It will cost us nonstop. And, and most of you will probably never have someone in person say thank you to you. You still want to do this? And all the church got all fired up and we said, let's go. And so we decided and listen, in the last five years, get this, two thousand eight hundred and twenty two inmates have realized God's not done with me. My life is not over. He's just getting started. And they've made that decision to put their faith in Jesus. That's because of your generosity. And we're not going to stop. We're going to keep opening those campuses. We're going to keep opening more around town. Listen, because of your generosity, just Since 2018, just since the beginning of last year, 6,612 people have put their faith in Jesus. What you're doing matters. That's why we don't show up and say it's about me. We show up and say, no, it's way bigger than me. I'm a part of a mission. And the last thing I want to challenge you to do is invite. Go back and look at the story and watch what the dad does. He's already spent. He's already lost a third of his estate. And then he says, get the robe and get the ring and get the sandals and get the fattened calf and he throws the party and everything it takes to put on the party. But but understand what he does then. He goes out into the driveway and invites both boys to come into the party. One who's been real distant for a long time. One who's been living at the house, but has been suffering from religiosity. And he's never actually, he's not actually been close to God. The father in this story, he's just been doing a, a bunch of spiritual exercises to look like he's close. And the dad realizes both of these boys need a party, but they're not going to experience it unless somebody goes out of the house and invites them to come in. And so that's what he does. He says, I'm throwing a party here for prodigals, but it won't matter if we don't bring the prodigals to the party. And so I want to challenge you to start taking some risks in your life and start realizing, you know what? Our church isn't perfect, but when we get together and Jesus is the focus, he promises us that his presence is with us. And I just believe they'll experience that. And so I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to invite them. And when you do, He does miracles, doesn't he? You don't have to give your life to God at a church. You don't have to have encounters with God at a church, but he loves to use it. In fact, I want to do this at every single location. If you either found your faith in a church or you have had an experience that's moved you closer to God in your faith and it's happened at a church, would you raise your hand? Now keep them up and please look around the room for a second. That's why Jesus got so excited when he told his best friends, I'm building a church and the gates of hell can't stop it because he's building the greatest evangelistic tool on the planet. Excuse me. And when we take risks and invite people to it, he uses the church that he built to change lives in the process. And it's still happening today. Here's a testimony of a woman that we filmed actually a few years back. And, And I think it's so appropriate to show today. So go ahead and check this out.
2: Well, I I grew up in a Catholic home with middle-aged parents and traditional values. And I can remember as a child going to confession and not having any sins to confess, so I would make some up and then dutifully say my Our Fathers and Hail Marys. But by the time I was 17, I didn't have to make up sins anymore. I was pregnant and I was experienced with the hallucinogenic drug culture of the early 1970s. Um, When I was 20, I had uh, just recently married my drug dealer. I was strung out on IV drugs and I took my two-year-old son to the house of a stranger and left him with a piece of paper that had my mother-in-law's phone number on it and I walked to a nearby bridge over the turnpike, and I jumped. My life was a mess. I had contracted hepatitis from my Vietnam veteran-era friends sharing dirty needles. I had taken money from my son's piggy bank to buy heroin, and I was having an affair with my husband's best friend. I didn't know who I was. By the time I was 22, I was separated again from my husband after one of our many fights. My son and I were living with my parents, and my life was going nowhere. And I was invited to a prayer meeting at a local church, and I went. Um, I met a woman there who had something special about her and I felt compelled to talk to her and find out more about that. And so I met her out in the parking lot after the prayer meeting, and I remember it was dark, it was a starry night, and we could have been the only two people in the world at that moment, Uh, because the conversation that we had and the prayer that she prayed with me, it changed my life forever. God gave me a new name, a new identity, a new life, a do-over. Everything in my life that I had done wrong, he made right. And um, the person that was on the inside of me changed in that moment. Uh, My desires, my values and views and perspectives, the habits took a little longer, but the direction of my life changed forever. And that new person had an altogether different destiny. Um, My life hasn't been easy. Far from it, but it's been purposeful and it's been an amazing adventure. And I have three wonderful children, I have three precious grandchildren, and I became a nurse and I've given my life to taking care of the dying. And when I was 50, I founded Hospice Care of America, and I now know who I am I'm a child of a king an heir of eternal life, a citizen of heaven, and a follower of Jesus Christ. That's my life.
0: It's, it's not the first time that we've we've actually shown that video. We showed it a few years ago, and, and, and we did so um, because... That testimony is is very special to me because that's my mom, and uh, I was the two year old that she put on a stranger's porch when she went to jump off a bridge to kill herself. And I'm not I don't I don't want to show that video again to highlight me or anyone in my family. I asked the team to show this because I wanted to highlight the woman in the story who took a risk who ran into a single mother heroin addict and took a risk and invited her to a church. And because she did, my mom went, experienced the power of God, and gave her life to God. Then she took me to church when I was a little kid. And I experienced the power of God as a little kid. And at 24, I sat down to take my own life and I couldn't. Because I knew that I'd experienced God. And I reached out to my friend Eric, who's here today, and he took me to a church. And I experienced the power of God and I gave my life to God. And, and I've been now taking my boys to church. And my youngest son Ashton, who I've given a hard time today, he's now given his life to God and he's getting baptized and going public with his faith next weekend. Now listen. This is the power of partnering with the local church because one person took a risk on a heroin-addicted single mother and invited her to church. Look, get this. Three generations of people are now going to heaven and counting on one invite. Think about what God could do in and through your life, in and through your story, and in and through your church family. It's not just showing up. For me, see, we're showing up on a mission, and what we know is is that God's going to do work in us along the journey and in the process, but we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And so I want to ask you, if this is your church family, would you begin to ask God, maybe you're doing all those things, and if you are, thank you, let's go. We got a lot of ground to take. And if you're not, don't get overwhelmed or feel guilty. That's not my intention, but maybe just ask God, hey, where do I start? I'll start with one of them. Help me start slow. Help me start small. But I want to be a part of this thing. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of making heaven more crowded. I want to be a part of welcoming home prodigals, helping them connect with the father and the family and throwing parties for them when they do. That's what I want to be a part of. That's what this church is about. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are with us right now. I thank you that you gave us this amazing gift of the local church and we get to come together as friends and family and and celebrate you and what your son did on the cross when he died to pay the price for our sins. I thank you that we get the opportunity to respond to that today. And God, I pray that you would do something so special in and through us and I pray for some of us it would begin right now. In fact, with everyone's eyes closed, would you I want you to respond to something that God might be doing in your heart. The first question is this, is you're a Christian already. But today you go, you know what? I want to go deeper. I want to, I want to be a part of the church family. Maybe it's not this church family. Maybe you're visiting and you got another church family in mind. Praise God. But you say, God, I want to be a part of the church capital C, the church family. And I'm asking you to use me to make a difference in this world. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're just gonna ask God to recommission us into being about his mission today. Yeah, praise God. And the second question is this, is you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but you can tell he's doing something in your heart. We've been talking about the house today, but the truth is, you know, God's calling you home to it. He's calling you into a relationship with him right now. You can feel it in your heart. You know it. This is my moment. I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I just know I want to start following Jesus. And I want to make that decision right now. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Oh, praise God, church. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Raise him up, Brussels, Texas. Raise them up. God behind bars. Raise them up. God, I thank you that you're with us in this moment right now. I pray that every single one of us would be reminded that we are in ministry and you've put us where you've put us for a reason. You've put us in the situation that we're in, in the job we're in, in the neighborhood we're in, in the family we're in. And I pray, God, that you would help every single one of us begin to be that light that represents you in the darkness. God, I pray that you would inspire every single one of us to take one more step closer to being a part of what you're doing at your local church. God, I pray you help, help, help the local church, all the churches. I, I thank you for all the churches around our cities and around the world today. And God, I pray that you would help us to stay on mission and that we would get to look back someday and go, look what God has done through us. I was a part of that. And I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now. I thank you for all those who are crossing over from death into life right now. I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed in Jesus' name. God, we love you. We honor you. It's our privilege to get to worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, church at every location, let's worship.